This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Yeah. Cool. All right. And and because that thing uh, can brush against your shirt, you'll want to stay very, very uh, uh, still. And then we've got this great engineer, Steve. And if at any time you feel like uh, you want to start over, just feel free, Matt, to say, you know what? I want to start that over and Steve will make you and I sound pretty. Okay, great. Awesome. All right. And coming down the stairs here to the basement, Matt Wolf. Hey, man, welcome. Thanks. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here to talk insurance, which I'm sure, you know, so do you go into a bar and just start talking insurance and that's how you get a free table when there isn't one? <laughs> I wish that's how it worked. Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, l- let's start here because I hear so many times, you know, having been a financial planner and even doing the show, that insurance company ripped me off. You have to hear the same thing. What's your first thought when you hear that? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, frustration pretty much. Uh, yeah, I, I hear that all the time from friends or family. I, I think, um, it's, it's, it's frustrating for me cause I think it, it means the industry has failed. Like the entire insurance industry has failed when that's kind of the standard feeling that people uh, have when they think insurance. Um, in my perspective, what makes it even harder is that it's my job to make sure that we've priced things fairly and so when a customer feels like they're getting ripped off, it, it kind of like, you know, eats at me internally because I'm like, but but we tried so hard to make sure that it was fairly priced. I think what's really happening is um, one of two, you know, a couple different possible explanations. Um, but one is that, uh, you know, we, we as an industry didn't make the product offering easy to understand um, or or that the, you know, that the customer was maybe uh, accidentally led to wrong, buy the wrong product or something like that. Um, another possibility is that, the, that you know, somewhere we've, we've executed poorly. And I say we loosely as the industry, not at Haven Life. Because um, I think one of the things that, that is really amazing about what's going on here at Haven Life and one of the reasons that I came here 
uh, is the opportunity to do these things better. It was, it's, it's exciting to be at a company where the first and foremost thing is customer experience. And, um, and that means not feeling like you got ripped off. It means feeling like you, you got what you wanted uh, and you got it at a fair price. And that's a primary focus here. Uh, and, it, and that makes it easier to, to avoid these types of concerns because we're constantly looking to make sure that customers feel like they're getting what they think they should be getting. Yeah. You know, that it was fairly priced and all that. Yeah, but it still has got to be, it's, it's got to feel like an uphill battle because I agree with you. You know, sometimes I feel like explaining insurance is like explaining Greek to somebody who, you know, barely knows how to speak their own language. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably true. Um, I think that it's, it, there's a lot of really tricky parts to, to, to what we do in insurance. I think the, the goal, at least in my mind, is to um, put things in a way that, that uh, it doesn't come across that Greek. It comes across as English. You know, one of the things that, that people have done here is, was before I even started Haven Life was they rewrote all the contracts to be like as close to plain English as they could get. Um, there's a lot of regulation that makes it even harder for you to actually do that. But, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll give an example. You know, there's, there's a product type out there that I think um, you know, can create some confusion. This product, like accidental death insurance, people don't really necessarily appreciate. Like, what is, what am I buying when I buy a term insurance versus accidental death insurance? And it creates this confusion because someone's out there selling, let's say, a cheaper product or whatever. Um, so I think it's really important that we explain exactly what the customer is buying very clearly, so they understand that, like, as my dad always used to say, like you don't want to gamble on your death so right. and how you're going to die actually is what he said so right. you know accidental death being it covers only if you die from you know accidental causes and not from medical illness right versus, versus term insurance which covers you no matter uh, how you die um so i think it's it's important that customers actually understand those distinctions and that's why plain english customer centric uh you know lang- um, um you know uh, materials and products and all that are, are really important. Yeah. Help everybody help the end consumer. Yeah. I did, I, on accidental death. I, I never want to be clutching my chest, having a heart attack and I got to run out in the road, make sure I get hit by a car. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't let that happen. So, but I'm, I'm glad to have you here because I find this, this incredibly fascinating and it completely changed my view of insurance when I found out about how it's priced. So let's talk about that, Matt. How do you price insurance policies? It's a it's a good question. I, that's um, that's something that I've tried to explain a lot of times since it's my job. And so you know, people go, "What do you do?" And you have to explain that. Uh, I I like to. Well, obviously, first of all, I can't speak specifically about you know what we do. Um, you know what Mass Mutual does to price products. Um, but what I can do when I can talk is more generically about like how yeah. actuaries in general. Yes, do. right. Um. So so the first thing that we do. Uh, is as actuaries is we use historical data to predict the future. Uh, not that different from like a meteorologist tries to predict the the weather forecast. Um, and kind of like a meteorologist, it's really hard to predict. And so you might be able to say there's a hurricane coming, but you don't actually know what path it's going to take. And there could be really serious consequences if you get it wrong. Because you're trying uh, to look at you're trying to look at large numbers and extrapolate data for the future based on those large numbers, right? Yeah. So you're trying to look at large amounts of data from the past. So like there are 300 million people in the United States. Um, How many people died last year? Uh, You know, how many of those people were males who were age 75 years old? 
um, and things of that nature. So you're trying to collect that data and then apply it to the individual customer who's coming in the door. So someone comes in the door and they tell you about themselves and you say, you know, how can I use the information you've told me about you to, to best estimate, um, you know, what my, what my risk is? What's the chance that you pass away at various points in time and make sure that you're paying an appropriate price for the risk that we're taking on? Gotcha. And it's, it's a super competitive business back to this whole idea that we opened up with about, about people feeling like they get ripped off. I mean, if, if for some reason mass mutual decides to gouge their customer, there's going to be 10 different uh, other companies that jump on that. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's actually, it's, it almost, it goes the opposite way. So every time you price a product, you're under a lot of pressure in the industry to, uh, to compete with the fact that three other companies just cut their prices to make right. it more competitive. Right. Um, it's extremely competitive. There's hundreds of insurance, life insurance companies in the United States. Um, there's over a hundred. I'm almost positive. Someone told me that's that recently. I won't swear to anything. <laughs> that I'm pretty sure someone told me that. Um, so there's a lot of competition out there. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, well, so I'm just thinking, so then based on what you said, you're looking at my medical data and you're then comparing it against all these large numbers, and then you're deciding where I fall in this uh, these reams of data that you have. Yeah, that that sounds like a pretty accurate thing. I, there's a few other things that go into well, sure, it. Right. Regulators <laughs> try to make sure that we don't take too much risk. So there's actually something that's pushing back on us to make sure we don't price it too low. So you've got all this competition that's driving the price down. Um, but the regulators actually, not only do they want the prices to be good and fair to the customer, they also want to make sure that you as an insurance company, you're going to be around right. for 20, 30 years when you actually have to pay these claims. So they actually put in per precautions to say, you know, make sure you, you charge enough that you can actually pay out these claims in the future. Yeah. In that case, regulators really do their job. I mean, people rip on regulators all the time, but in, but, but based on what you're talking about, I mean, this is an important thing for the consumer. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's extremely important. If it wasn't for this, the competition would drive prices to be so low. And then you probably see a lot more insurance companies going bankrupt. Um, but, you know, it really doesn't happen. Very, I, the, it's very rare that you hear about an insurance company getting into financial difficulty. And this is why, you know, there's regulations to prevent it, to make sure that they can keep the promises. At the end of the day, that's all insurance is. It's a promise, right? So right. we want them to be around to make you know, make do on that promise. But you guys work with so much data. If me and my buddy are the same age and we're both working with insurance companies that went through the whole medical underwriting, you know, we went through medical underwriting ahead of time. You looked at our data and both actuaries compared both of those. I would think that if I'm paying more money than my buddy is, that means you guys think I'm going to die first. Is that what that means? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, so it's tough for me to say yes as an actuary. Um, actuaries were very like precise generally as an industry, um, but more or less, I think that you're, it's it's the general theme uh, is is accurate. There. Yeah, I'm I'm not even going to tell my buddy what he, what I'm paying for insurance. I'm just going to ask him what he's paying, and if I pay, and if I'm paying less, I'm high fiving him, and I'm not telling him why. <laughs> that sounds good. What about this one though? When it comes to just insurance in general, something I used to hear around disability was I'm a safe skier. I'm a great driver. So bad things won't happen to me. But, but I think your statistics show that, that there's probably a better chance of it happening to me than I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first thing is, is, you know, accidents happen, right? Um, and we call car accidents 
car accidents for a reason. You know, mo- most of them are accidental. You don't plan on it. Um, and it's often not your fault, right? Some Somebody else does something or there's some, you know, confluence of events that cause it. If you're skiing down a hill and somebody else hits you, you could be the best skier ever. But if they fly out from behind, you know, a, 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 a you know, another slope or whatever, you don't see them coming. Uh, it doesn't matter. So there's always risk from from the world around you. And I think um, I think that's that's important. That's why you get insurance. It's not always about things that you can control. But but that that also tells me, Matt, that uh, and this has nothing to do with just what you do at Haven Life with term insurance, that because actuaries are looking at risk all the time. And I think this is important for my listeners to, to, to remember if an insurance type like disability coverage can be pretty darned expensive. If an insurance type is more expensive, that doesn't mean insurance companies ripping you off. It means a guy like you looked at the risk and said, we need to raise that rate because, you know, if, if we end up having to pay Joe because he got hurt on the ski slopes, then we're going to have to have enough money to pay his claim. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, going go to the example you were going before, right? So we can lower the right rate for someone because they're a good driver, um, because we think that they have slightly lower risk, but there's some amount of risk that you can't get rid of. So the rate doesn't go to zero because you're a good driver. There's there's always risk. And yeah, I think you're you're spot on. Yeah, uh, I think something's a, a lot more expensive across the industry. It's probably because there's a greater risk or a greater cost if it happens. Which which is also your frustration and mine around accidental death and dismemberment. Doesn't mean it's not important. Like if someone works in a job where they're in heavy machinery, putting their hands in stuff, or very physical job. Well, accidental death and dismemberment might be an important part of your plan, but it's priced differently because of the chance of you dying in an accident is much less than you just dying. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. and you're you're eliminating. You know, I, I, that's the, you're eliminating a large portion of things, right? So uh, if you if if you get cancer. Like, it doesn't matter that, you know, you had your accidental death coverage. Right. It's not going to cover you. Yeah. That was the big aha for me when I learned this about what you do, that that all of a sudden I realized that these type, and I want to be clear here, the types of insurance are more expensive, not one company versus another. We already talked about competition, but but the the types that are more expensive might be the areas of my life that I need to go, oh, maybe I need to examine that. Not that I have to buy insurance for that, but that I that, that my risk might be higher. But let's let's talk for a second about insurance companies changing prices. Cause mm-hmm. when when not just not just Mass Mutual or Haven Life, if if any company changes prices, whether on new customers or somebody that already has a policy, what goes into that decision-making? Sure. Um, well, as before, obviously, you know, it, this is kind of a broad, broad thought here. Sure. And I think it's broad even for the insurance industry as a whole. Um, but the main, the main things that drive it are going to be like either changes in the company's experience or generic market changes. So, so what do I mean? Um, if you're pricing life insurance, and you notice that there's an increase in the number of people who are dying of a certain subset of the population, the next time you sell that product, you're probably going to charge more for it. Um, or if interest rates changes, so the market changes, it means that the company you know, can't earn as much on its portfolio of assets, that might change the price. Um, so those are the types of things that, that could drive price changes. I think an important thing for people to understand about um, life insurance, at least the type that, that Haven Life sells, which is, you know, term life, is that the, the price is guaranteed for a level number of years. So it's not like your your renters or your homeowners insurance where the next year they could, you know, jack up the price on you. Um, when you buy term life insurance, it's guaranteed flat for the length of that term period. 
So, um, so they can't raise the rate. The insurance company can't raise the rate on you in that, that level period. And that uh, says, there are other life insurance products out there that they can do that with, but right. not, not term insurance. And, and that says that in plain English, when somebody gets their insurance policy, I would imagine. Yes, yes, definitely. We, we try that. We try very carefully to make sure that's clear. So th- they have these, these uh, companies, these rating agencies, right, that, that compare uh, risk for one company versus another company. Where do the rating agencies fit in this whole thing? Because we talked about regulators and we talked about, you know, individual companies and competition. What about the rating companies? Sure. Um, so I can't, I can't speak too much to rating agencies because I don't really work directly with them or, or, or my personal job doesn't involve them too much. But I can say broadly, they're a really large part of what we do uh, in insurance. Um, so the regulators try to make sure you hold a certain amount of you know, protection for risky events. The rating agencies care even more. So the regulator might tell you you need to hold you know, uh, whatever, a certain amount. And then, then the rating agency will say, Oh, yes, but if you want to be rated really highly, you have to hold three times that much or four oh. times that much. Wow. Um, and insurance companies believe very strongly in ratings being an important part of their sales process, that ratings say we are a trustworthy company that's going to be around for a long time. So um, a lot of decisions get made around making sure that they have enough money put aside for these really unlikely events just to make sure that even if this like disaster happens, they get hit with five hurricanes in a year and they lose a lot of money that year that they've got all this money put aside that they can still make those promises, uh, keep those promises that they made. Awesome. And I, and I think we got to end this Matt with the most important question ever, which is that I, I don't see kids on the playground when they're little pretending they're actuaries, right? They're, <laughs> they're, uh, they're football players. They're, you know, uh, dancers, they're di- all kinds of different things. Uh, but how did you get into your job? So, um, I actually, when I was five, I used to play that I was an actuary on the playground. No, <laughs> I'm just that would have been so um, great though. <laughs> yeah, when I, I learned about it when I was a little bit younger than most uh, in like middle school. But um, the reality is it was um, I think most actuaries that I know kind of went to college. They were interested in math. They were trying to decide what to do with math and they didn't want to do like research or, or become a professor. They wanted to do something they felt like they had like an immediate impact on society or results. And you start learning about actuaries and insurance and like, you know, the, the fact that it's a very kind of noble profession in terms of protecting people from risk. Um, and doing things fairly. Um, it doesn't hurt that it's also one of the highly, you know, highest rated jobs every year on the jobs. Right. Job yeah. So. Wow. That's, that, that's really cool. So you did in middle school, you thought about being an actuary. Yeah. I mean, I heard about it cause my cousin's an actuary, but okay. I don't think that it was, you know, a, a, a realistic or a definite path until sometime in college. It was just, I learned maybe that I wanted to do it really fast in college because I had heard of it, as opposed to a lot of people who learn about it when they're about done with college. Right. Go, oh, wait, there's another job out there. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So are there any good actuary jokes that you can tell us? <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know. Uh, my favorite one is uh, it's a common joke that's used for a lot of different industries, but um, it's how can you tell the uh, difference between an accountant and an actuary? Uh, I had no idea. Uh, an actuary looks at your feet when they talk to you. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Wolf, thanks a ton for hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is 
Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 